prayer. Many of us here have met Karen Chisholm, and even as we speak, she is on a ventilator in the Kansas City area, uh, and it just happened in the last few days, and it is quite serious. So if you would, please, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Our God and Father in heaven, the Father of all mercies, kindness, joy, and love, and compassion. We come to you with our prayer and petition at this time for our dear sister Karen, as uh, she is in uh, perilously, perilously perched, uh, perhaps uh, in such a serious condition as we cannot even comprehend. We pray, Father, for that she would be brought back to a good measure of health. And this is our, our thoughts as, as humans, but it's also as, uh, as our brothers and sisters in Christ and your son. We bring this prayer and petition before you that she might be brought back to that good measure of health. And we pray, Father, that uh, we would be constantly about our ways of helping and encouraging one another in this area. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And please continue to pray for her and the family at this time. We're in the second lesson of four based on the seasons. Last week we were in the springtime of the year and now we have come to the summer. As we began here in Proverbs chapter 10 where Solomon says, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son. Next week we'll be in the autumn, and I'm going to, as I mentioned last week, I'm going to save the, the fourth one as a surprise so that you can figure out which one I'm going to be in. The summertime was a time of harvest in the area of Palestine. When I think of the harvest time, I typically think of the autumn of the year. But for those in Israel, the summer was for harvest. So he who gathers in summer is a prudent son. That is when the harvest time came about. I like the seasons. I like to look up at the stars and to be able to figure out where all the constellations are moving in and out of their houses as they speak. If you go back to the book of Job, it talks about Orion and the Pleiades and the Big Bear. Uh, those would come in and out of their seasons. You could tell by looking up at the stars. You go back to the book of Genesis, and it indicates that, that these were there to mark the seasons that we are in. As we come down to the summer in our passage today, this is really about raising, or for those who want it really correct, rearing children. We raise goats, but we rear children. But for my nomenclature, if I say raising children, please excuse that I'm really talking about rearing children in that sense. So our lesson today is about how do we get to that verse in verse 5, which says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son. But he who sleeps and harvests is a son who brings shame. How did that son who brings so much joy to the parent, how does that child get there? Of course, we know that children get there by accident. It is just luck and happenstance. 
Anybody want to agree with that? Let the record show that no hands went up in that vote. We know better than that. We know that a child, as Proverbs tells us, a child that's left to his own brings shame. A child would grow up like a wild, feral animal. If it weren't for parents, it would bring them about. You may be wondering what happened to you, Frenchie, in your life. Why did your parents let you go so wild? But as we look into our subject today in training children, to be upright, honest, hardworking, and you can follow all this if you have a, an outline which is contained in the bulletin. You could follow along and then study on your own. Many things are contained within the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10 begins what we would call typically the Proverbs proper. The first nine chapters are really lectures that Solomon gives as to the benefits of wisdom. And now we come to chapter 10 to where we have the individual and groupings of, of Proverbs. Is Proverbs just a filler in the Bible? Just something to entertain us? No. Proverbs is there to guide us. These are as true today as they were 3,000 years or so when Solomon penned these. General guidelines for our lives. Most of these we see that they, they fall into that someone who is wise as opposed to the one who is foolish. Wisdom and folly laid side by side so that we can clearly see. It's not a great mystery when it comes to being able to identify those things which are wise and those things which are foolish, at least as it pertains to Proverbs. In today's society, maybe not so much because they will tell you why that isn't foolish. It's just the way that we have evolved. I don't buy that for a moment. I think we can clearly see those things which are wise those things which are foolish. And I've divided this really into four general areas that we shall look at. Is that how do we get that child to the point to where they become a productive member of our society? This really is about work. How do you train a child to know what work is? Well, you don't wait until they are nearly grown to start. Amen. I can look over this audience, and I see that there is a young baby. Jordan, you're doing a great job of holding that baby. You're natural at it, it seems. Right there as he's holding that young baby who is but a couple of weeks old. That, that is when you begin to raise a child to be productive. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. All of our verses are going to come from the book of Proverbs today. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. Solomon begins right out of the chute to tell us, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. For he tells us, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. As we come down to the end of his lectures in chapter 9, he again says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. Teaching children that it is the fear of the Lord. Raising children in the Lord. For that's what Paul says when he talks about raising children in Ephesians. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Teach them 
about the Lord. This thought that, well, we're going to let children discover for themselves. We don't want to burden them with our predispositions and prejudices. Really? And I would ask the question, how's that working out for us? Not so well. Proverbs 22.6, perhaps one of the most often used and misunderstood. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, let's just take the opposite of that. Don't bother training up a child in the way that they should go. I don't even know how to end that one. Don't bother training up your child in the way that they should go. Let them find their own way. Is, would that be applicable there? I don't think so. Train up a child in the, the way that he should go. And this has implications not only spiritually, but in what a child should grow up to do. Their mannerisms, how they go about their life. Because it's not just what we say, as we shall discover is they are observing our every movement. We read in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, dropping down to Proverbs 1, 8 through 9, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Did you notice a couple of people in that verse? Your father's instruction and your mother's teaching. You see, the burden is equally upon mom and dad to teach these children. I know it doesn't always work out that way in our society, but God has designed that a mother and father should raise that child. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For these instructions and teachings, verse 9 says, For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your a graceful garland, a decoration about you. We talk about this is the beginning. It begins in the home. We look at the prudent son and the daughter. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4 and verses 1 through 4. As I mentioned, our verses are all going to come from Proverbs. And the reason is Proverbs is a great book for learning how to raise Proverbs 1, 4, chapter 4, and verse 1. Hear, O son, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. You see, raising children is a generational task. We see that children don't raise themselves. They are raised by their parents. And here, this individual says, when I was a son with my father. I'm raising you when I was a son with my father. He raised me this way. You see, that's going to stick from generation to generation to generation, to generation, to, you get the idea. It is all of our responsibilities. 
And so in this, as the writer in Solomon in chapter 4 tells us, we drop down to chapter 13 and verse 24. Here's where we get to the rub of raising children. This thing called discipline. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And this hymn is equal for girls as well. So when you hear a hymn, you can assume that it's talking about the girl too. All of your children talking about discipline. And immediately when we hear this verse and we hear that whoever spares the rod hates his son. We don't hear the rest of it, but we hear the rod because we think it's always talking about that physical discipline. But I know of some people who will say, it only took a look from their father. Isn't that right, Janine? Janine will tell you, it only took a look from her father. That's all the discipline sometimes that it needs. Oh, there's a time for that, use the S word, spanking. But discipline is very rarely about spanking. Discipline is holding children to a standard. Discipline your son, the writer of Proverbs says in 29, 17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest and he will give delight to your heart. Learning how to discipline children. Learning that it is your responsibility as parents to discipline your child. Not society. Not even the church. And certainly not our education system. They all play a part for sure. But it rests on the shoulders of the parents. It's your responsibility to discipline those children. We come down to the third part, which talks about they who sleep and harvest bring shame. You see, Solomon teaches us that there is a cause and effect for poverty. In today's society, it is easy to say we are poor because you fill in the blank. Is it the government's fault we're poor? Don't fall for that. Please, stop falling for that. Is it the economy's fault that we are poor? No. Proverbs chapter 6. Now, they do play a part. I don't want to say that they don't play any part. But we can't afford to put all the blame on them. Because when we begin to put the blame on others, you know what we're doing? We're not taking responsibility for our own lives. Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, Go to the ant, O sluggard. I love to observe nature all around because there's so many lessons that we can learn. He says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I love a good nap. You didn't hear that. A little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want 
like an armed man. Go to the ants. See how productive they are. And learn from them. Resist the temptation to have just a little sleep, a little slumber. I'm just going to take it easy. Proverbs chapter 24 gives us another view of that. Proverbs chapter 24, beginning in verse 30. I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I'll stop right there. I saw and observed this. I can come to some conclusions by seeing what I see. I looked and received instructions. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Where have we heard that before? A little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Yes, there is a time to rest. There is a time to work. There is a cause and effect for poverty. And there's an old saying that says, every tub sits on its own bottom. That means the responsibility lies within ourselves. We are the captains of our ship, as it were. Now, that isn't taking anything away from receiving instructions from God and his grace and mercies. But a good parent teaches the child, it is your responsibility to work. Your responsibility. You see, a parent teaches them by these examples. But in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 11, Solomon says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. The frivolous lifestyle that that does not pursue work. Now, I wonder how that would apply to Mr. Edison and some of those people who invented it. I don't think there are many of us who could keep up with Thomas Edison in his work ethic. But he was a dreamer who could follow those dreams up with work and labor. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But there's a sense of which a parent teaches children about who they will hang out with. Whoever walks with the wise, we're told in Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Someone told me one time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Why? How dare we tell our children who their friends shouldn't, shouldn't be? How dare we put that burden upon their shoulder and saying, if you hang out with lazy people, you're probably going to be lazy. It's our responsibility as parents to teach our children that who their friends are greatly impacts who they will become. It's called, in our modern term, peer. It's not only who they choose not to hang out with that will greatly impact them, but it's the counsel of who they will hang out with as well. Without counsel, we're told in Proverbs 15, 22, 
Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. You see, if wisdom begins and ends with me, the scriptures say, there's a way that seems right to man. Well, there's a way that seems right to me. I, I think that's a pretty good idea. I came up with this idea. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, there is death. But with many counselors, how does this, how do you think this will work? And wise counselors that we would hang out with will guide us. Proverbs 1, verses 10 through 12. Again, talking about those people if, that their children would hang out with that have negative connotations. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol or the grave, as the Hebrew word is, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. Teach your children there are people who will bring them down, who will entice them and lead them astray. Proverbs 28, 7, the one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Gluttons. That excessive lifestyle who never learn to say enough. More, more, more as they go about. In teaching these things to children, we are leaving them an inheritance, as Proverbs 13.22 tells us. We leave an inheritance to our children. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 31. In more ways than one, Proverbs 31 is the crowning jewel of the book of Proverbs. The words of King Lemuel. Who this Lemuel is, we don't know. But we know who Lemuel got his influence from. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his neighbor taught him. No. no. An oracle that daycare taught him. An oracle he read on the side of graffiti on a building. No. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. As children go old, as they look back and, oh, they remember fondly, I remember what my mother taught me. Amen? And they ought to bring back the fondest memories. Even if it was times when she, you will think, I remember when she put me in the corner. What a fond memory. I remember when I heard that drawer open and she got out the wooden spoon. Oh, good times. I remember when she went into the closet and got the strap. Ah, but I appreciate those times because she taught me discipline. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my vows? Notice how she's coming down. She's making him accountable for these things. And she teaches him things about not being given to strong drink or following the ways of chasing after women. 
And now we come down to verse 10. And Lemuel tells us those words that ought to be written and posted in every home. An excellent wife who can find. And this is as much for women as it is for men. Young boys, this is who you want to marry. Young women, this is who you want to become. And looking at everything that is taught there. The ways of a godly parent. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, let her works praise her in the gates. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Hey, remember those foundational virtues that were taught in the home. Take the time and read this passage from Proverbs 31. The most difficult task on earth, in my opinion, is raising godly children in this world. In today's world, you see, anybody can make money. Anybody can become wealthy. Anybody can do this and do that. But the most difficult task on earth is bringing up children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But we're not left to second guess, to come up with it on our own. We have not only the book of Proverbs, which I believe is a great book on raising children, but we have the entirety of Scripture that shows us what a godly life looks like. This lesson is now yours. There is a way to walk in the light of God's will, his way, and his word. And it does begin with his word. We know that God's desire above all else is for you and I to spend eternity with him. And to that end, he has given us clear instructions on how we can get there. Clear instructions. To believe in his son who died for us. Confess him as Lord. Repent of our sins. And be buried in the watery grave of baptism. Rising to newness of life. God has made all things ready for you and I. We stand ready to help in any way that we can. All together we stand and sing.